Happy so anniversary, good. boys. Happy anniversary, guys. Hey, Mitch, we got some good taste there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Sponsored season. by Corona, guys. Sponsored or, by or, Corona. Or sued by Corona. Well, either one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see <laughs> yeah one of the two. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, guys, officially been one year of Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. We started the show during the MLS's back tournament. And since then, I don't think we ever could have imagined uh, all the insanity that Toronto FC, the soccer world, the world in general would bring us during the back half of 2020 and the first half of 2021. Had all kinds of amazing guests on during that time from Canadian soccer legends like Dwayne DiRosario, Adrian Can, Julian DeGuzman, Terry Dunfield, Justin Morrow, top journalist Laura Armstrong, John Molinaro, Christian Jack, Luke Wildman, even Toronto FC president Bill Manning stopped by to talk to wow. us. Um, and plenty, plenty more incredible conversations. But hey, we're here for this, our 52nd anniversary. Uh, we'll have a look back at some of the, the great moments on the show for you guys. And um, yeah, some great moments from the past year as well. And we'll look ahead to a potentially brighter future for Toronto FC after they finally won a game and an exciting start to the Gold Cup for Canada as well. But first, Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh. I mean, we already acknowledged it. One whole human year. That's incredible. Cheers, guys. One whole human year. My goodness. Cheers. My How many cheers are we going to get in during the show? I haven't even had breakfast. It's going to get messy. Anymore. It's going to get messy, I think. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast either. What's breakfast? Uh, wow. I mean, wow. And 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 looking forward to the next year, guys. It's going to be an interesting evolution of this show. I mean, when we're all not stuck in our houses anymore, you know, maybe, maybe we get to do one at BMO. Who knows what, yeah. what the next year is going to He's walking around the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> D-Row styles. Walking around the block, D-Row style. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's crazy that it's been a year. But uh, you know, it's been a privilege to uh, to to be your uh, to be your eyes and ears of, of TFC land while we while we sort of uh, mitigate through this this pandemic and 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 moving forward. So uh, you know, we don't we don't take it lightly. We've really enjoyed it. It's been an unbelievable shock that it's been a year. And uh, here's to more. Well said, yeah. Well yeah. said. And congrats to both of you gentlemen. Obviously holding down the fort. Shout out to Kevin. I see Kevin in the chat. Yeah. And Mikey tipping a corn dog there. Yeah, man. Beer, beer of the summer. Beer of the yeah. summer. End of the show, we're getting a sponsor from Corona Watch. Um, I've never heard corn dog for Corona before. That's amazing. <laughs> And I know my beer, and I have never ever heard that before. Also, uh, Sophia, we got to We got it. That's what I was getting, getting to. Yeah. Shout out to Sophia, our awesome producer. She always bears with us whenever we go long. <laughs> Sophia's there in the back, just trying to try to tell us to hurry it up and whatnot. But we appreciate yeah. everything that she does, um, mm -hmm. and uh, as well, Edwin, of course, who of writes course, some fantastic yeah. articles for us after the show. Um, this is a whole collaborative team effort and to be looking back man one year ago we started the show probably wouldn't have started it without kevin pushing us over the top to get this thing going yep. and wow we're we're like 
so pleased that we did because this this show has seen a lot of success and it's mm-hmm. it's thanks to thanks to you guys there in the chat to all of our viewers to all of our listeners on this after um this has been quite the success and we can't wait to keep going yeah and huge shout out to jeff as well for that incredible intro i mean some for sure some outfits some ha- some hairstyles from the quarantine oh man anytime soon did i do a good enough job tracking the progress of my beard growth because that was that was my you you i actually asked you and you were like you got to get these outfits in i made sure to ask you because i knew you'd be pissed Mike, I just wanted to continue the the laugh. Like I wanted yeah. to because Mike because Mike wins on the regular on the regular intro, right? He wins so hard. Like it's ridiculous. Like the, the little the little kick, he he wins that one. Um, so I kind of wanted to even it out a little bit, but uh, it was very important to me for one, get my cat in because I Yeah, I was gonna say I saw the doctor a bit there. And uh, and the other one was it was really important to track my beard growth because this thing, this sucker's gone the second I get a haircut, boys. It is it is gone. I miss my face. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, uh, one of our ideas, which we didn't end up doing, was, you know, having us watch back some of our first episode. I, I you know, and I haven't heard the clips. But Thank <laughs> God. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably for the best. Um yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's move into rundown land. We got a lot to discuss, guys. Let's Absolutely do it. We do, we do, and I mean the the celebration kind of continues. Toronto FC they they won a game, um, first time in almost two months. Three two against the Eastern Conference leading New England Revolution at Gillette Stadium, a place that traditionally not very kind to Toronto FC. Um, I'll admit I missed the first little bit of this game because obviously there was the lightning delay and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I was watching a, a lightning strike of my own that uh, wasn't the <laughs> kind that I want to talk about in the National Hockey League. So and nice, someone nice. forgot to tell me in the chat that the game was back on. So <laughs> to my surprise, Toronto FC are up to nothing when I finally like checked back into to chat. And I mean, look, it got rocky from there, but you know, we've been talking about them seeing out results for for months, and finally they're able to to get one done. How how big of a win was that for Toronto FC going into this break now, um, and you know all all the importance of that? Well, I just want to say, I think Mitch, you can no longer watch Toronto FC games because apparently <laughs> when you're not watching, yeah. <laughs> I missed seven one so. as well. So yeah. that, <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think it's me. <laughs> There you go. That cancels each other out. Um, <laughs> in terms of victory, I mean, obviously just the first step um, for this TFC team and a long, long road back. But as you're alluding to there, Mitch, huge, absolutely huge for this team to sort of right their ship heading into this this break for them to kind of hit that reset button coming back to Ontario to, to train. Um, and, you know, they've got to find a way to sort of capture this momentum to ensure that, you know, they build off this win. Because as we've talked about, I think me and Jeff talked about on the pregame show a bit, this is this was a foundation now that they can build off of. And they saw out the win while it was 65 minutes of of some misery there, some, some high anxiety moments. Um, the first 35 minutes were probably the best 35 minutes we've seen from Toronto FC this season. So definitely something to build off of and we'll, we're going to have your Perez in a bit as well. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Oso was a revelation and now he's gone, which, which fills me with a bit of worry. Right. But Endo, my goodness, did Endo ever make a case? Oso again? didn't play. 
Oh, he didn't know I'm thinking of also in the Can men's national team game. Then. So, like, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a bit as well. Then <laughs> uh, uh, we'll, let's just move on to Endo because he definitely made a, made made another claim for that that starting right wing spot. Um, yeah, and uh, you know we are so quick to uh, toss Endo onto the pile. We're so quick. He's all he's he's perpetually somebody that we're ready to get rid of, and the man just proves his worth over and over again every time you want to count this guy out he comes in and proves just what kind of value he has to the squad and uh you know i think we were discussing on on the pregame show mike uh putting him on the right uh limits some of his ability to impact the game in an attacking sense well, not if you're going to be Aryan Robin, right? Not if you say, where did that left that foot come from, move. Subasa? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, um, yeah, Jeff, sort of building. I want to talk about Endo a little bit because he deserves some sure. love here. Absolutely, um, he does. TFC, obviously, Mitch, I think you pointed this, this out even in preseason. That right winger spot is still a big question mark for this Toronto FC team. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's someone like a Jonathan Osorio, even a Nick Leon that sort of fill that that vacancy. Um, especially when you consider Erickson Gallardo's out, and maybe sometimes they push Richie, Richie Larray up there. But the thing about Subasa Endo, and this is how he differs from like an, an Azorio or a De Leon, is that he has the ability to get in behind, make those straight direct runs. He has the pace to do that, but he's also shown that he has the ability to to keep possession in tight areas in the pitch, play between the lines, as as Greg Vanny used to say all the time, and it complemented this TFC team perfectly because this was a side that went back to playing out of the back, playing a very, again, methodical sort of build-up play, kind of like how they've been doing in the past. So Endo's ability to add to that as well as offer something in behind as, as a threat moving forward, it just, it was a perfect complement to this side. And it's, it's a reason why we've seen Endo used in the past. I spoke to him after the game. Nice. And he was—he admitted that, like, last season, it wasn't his best season. But he always—he always stressed that that he's ready for his moment. And you think back to 2017, we think back to 2019 when he he came back from from TFC2 loan stint and absolutely tore it up and became such an important player for this mm-hmm. team down the stretch in the playoffs. Um, he disclosed that he actually had surgery this preseason and missed the entire preseason. Wow. So that's perhaps a reason why he wasn't getting a look early on. But when he did get a look, he said he, he's ready. That's just the type of guy he is. He's not someone to complain about not getting playing time, but he's going to be someone who's ready. And I think uh, on, on Saturday, I guess the game was, or Wednesday, um, he showed that. Yeah, it's really yeah. important. That kind of attitude in, in, in our league is... I would say that kind of attitude for a professional footballer is really important, right? To like just roll with the punches and be ready to to take your opportunities. I mean, we we thought Endo. I mean, my theory as to why Endo wasn't getting played in the Armist tenure is because he's one was a Vanny project, and two, he's not. He's one of the most ball players on the squad, right? Like he's just not built for that for that kamikaze high press. So. It was interesting that you know the first the first uh, kick of the can back to a kind of hybrid possession system, uh, you know, Endo found so much joy. I think that's uh, that's mm-hmm. indicative of, of, of how this team is set up to win now, and it is as a possession team, 
with that question. I will did, say the one, go ahead, the one concern that we still have from this game, and and this was one of the things we talked about going in, is the defensive structure and the defense yep. in general. I mean, I think they gave up 26 shot attempts, which is wild at any point. But with that being said, that save from Alex Bono late in the game and just the general commitment at the end of the game from Toronto FC to, to continue to clear the ball and, and to you know see that result out, that was massive because if they tie this game and blow a three nothing lead, like they're right back to square one or or even worse because that's another massive mental blow for them. They've left mm-hmm. even more points on the table, especially after you know an unbelievable start where they they did deserve this victory. Absolutely. So, yeah, again, big credit to Alex Bono because that's that's potentially a season saver from him. I think. Ali Curtis, Ali Curtis has said it a bunch of times, and I'll go back to this. This is such a results oriented business. And if Alex Bono doesn't make that save at the end there, as Mitch, you're saying, we're having a completely different conversation about this Toronto FC team. Um, I will give credit to the team because they they really locked in um, towards the end of the match there. Obviously, that one chance that got through, I think Luke Singh was sort of caught sleeping um, and Alex Bono makes the big save. But other than that, there weren't any real clear-cut opportunities for this New England team in the second half. Um, and I think that, you know, that credit to that stingy defense that TFC were kind of locking in. They they dropped, like, everybody behind the ball. They weren't <laughs> pressing. They set up in yeah. a low block, and they became very hard to break down. And if it wasn't for that one dummy at the top of the box, then literally New England wouldn't, ha- wouldn't have had any clear-cut chances it would have been left very frustrated from this game. I mean, regardless, mm. they still were, if anybody saw Bruce Arena's comments after the match. <laughs> so or Bruce Arena's face throughout the match. <laughs> oh, my goodness. In his black wow. teeth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so then what was it then? Was it was it a good initial 15 minutes and then 65 minutes of hell where we conceded two goals and were kind of a mess? And then the last little bit, we just became, you know, parked the bus and, and played for the for the one goal lead? I think after we went up three goals, um, it became like that. And New England set up their their formation, changed their formation, um, and that altered the game. But I think as we've talked about about oppositions in the past, Mm -hmm. when you score once, twice, three times, there's a tendency for you to just sort of sit back and defend the lead. There's no need to go out, risk, you know, take any risks, kind of just tuck in and do that. So I think that's it's a combination of both is credit to New England for making the, the proper adjustments. But also we have to acknowledge that TFC did sit back probably intentionally in hopes of preserving that lead. So they took their mm-hmm. foot off the gas. Yeah. Yeah. We saw what, what happened with uh, teams taking their foot off the gas and parking the bus over the weekend in, uh, <laughs> in the Euros. What did, uh, uh, what did you gentlemen, sorry, Jeff, what did you gentlemen make of, of Jefferson Soteldo's performance? Cause I think we should talk about, you know, some of the sauce that he added there. You mean Armando Cooper the second? Armando Get Cooper. Get out of here. I, can I meet you on this show too? <laughs> uh go Mitch. Go Mitch. I'll jump in after. Um, I mean good to get off the mark. That's certainly that's the first thing that, that obviously stands out to me. But I mean, clearly, clearly gonna be an exciting player in this league and, and with Pozuelo now getting a little bit more service and, and teams having to to watch both of those players and keep an eye on both of them. And, and, you know, hopefully a, a certain other player will be back soon that teams will have to consider as well, um, which we'll get to, but 
I I think this is an exciting player and exactly the type of player you know you'd want from a, a designated player where he's exciting you know he's willing to run at guys and beat guys um, and you know it, it, he's getting ever so closer to being kind of that finished product in this team where he's going to start getting the goals and assists too so yeah that, that was one of the main exciting points of this game for me was that Soteldo starting to starting to really integrate with this side and and starting to look more and more dangerous. Do you think we're playing him in the right position for our team on the left? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, he offers something out there on the left wing that, you know, there aren't many players on the squad can do. Um, his ability to take players on 1v1. And obviously on the wing, it's easier to isolate a player to exactly. get them in, in on those 1v1 positions. Um, he's shown he's capable of cutting in or either burning someone down the line. Um, this guy is a bona fide superstar. This okay. guy, in my opinion, this guy is 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 the real deal here. Um, as as Will Dunn saying in the chat, Soteldo is worth the price of admission, and I wholeheartedly agree. Hmm. This guy is, and I said this on our pregame show. He is the closest thing that we have seen to Sebastian Javinko in terms of being able to take players on one v one. 1v2. They, we haven't had a player like that that's capable of doing that since Seba. And in my opinion, that's that's the most exciting part of, of the game today. And that's, especially in today's game, where it's tough to do that, where you're able to, to take defenders on 1v1, 1v2. And he's shown that he's capable of doing that in a variety of different ways and consistently, consistency consistently um either or they both work there you go um (laughs) and again like i think we're just scratching the surface of what he's going to bring to this team and what i really like about him and this is just a personal preference perhaps in addition to his swagger where he just goes right thigh out which is going to be the vibe i think this summer i think we'll see people what walk if, around what if, Toronto what if right say he said he'd, he'd wear a speedo if he could if the, if the <laughs> Um, What I really like is Soteldo's ability to stay on his feet. Yeah, I was going to say, that's impressive. This is a guy that doesn't, like, look for the easy foul. And he also tracks back defensively. Like, his work rate is there on both sides. Yes, Jeff, they're absolutely for someone. More than Seba. More than Seba. Exactly, exactly. For someone, the type, what he's actually supposed to offer to this team, what he brings Mm -hmm. defensively, I think it's, you know, noteworthy at least. So, man, I'm excited to see how, how he develops, how he grows. But from what I've seen so far, I, I'm super excited about this player and what he can bring. I like your enthusiasm. I, I, Do you I, disagree? I thought, well, I, I mean, right now I'm, I'm not seeing it come together. I does, he doesn't feel me with the, fill me with the same ooh-ah that, that Prime Seba did, right? Like Prime oh, Seba I'm not saying was he's a, Prime Seba. cheat code. Um, so, yeah, I would slow my roll there. Let me, clarify, be, let me clarify. Let me clarify. I'm not saying yeah. he's prime Seba at all. I'm not saying he's. I don't in think the same... anybody thought you were saying he was prime Seba. But oh, okay. But, uh, I'm, I'm mean, not saying he's. In... Slow, there's some slowdowns in the chat, so I think maybe. Yeah, some yeah, yeah. Some people, people might have. Some people yeah. might have thought you were. Saying let me clarify what I meant by relating yeah. him to Sebastian Javinko, and it's that when Javinko had the ball, he turned at defenders and he was willing to take people on one v one, one v two, one v three. Yeah. We haven't had a player on Toronto FC that is willing to do that. And is capable of doing that with such high consistency and proficiency since Sebastian Javanko. So completely different players, mm-hmm. completely different playing styles, 
Soteldo is nowhere near um, the impact that Javinko made for this team as yet. But in terms of ability to take people's on, take people on, it's it's the closest thing we've had since Seba. Nice. And it's it's been a big miss for this team, right? I mean, we go back to that 2019 MLS Cup final where Toronto FC passed the Seattle Sounders off the park but had no one in that final third who could, you know, beat a man and then and then get a shot away or they didn't have the the wide play to balance out what Richie Larea was doing on the other side. So, mm-hmm. he is that missing piece. Now the rest of the pieces have to start Yeah. Figuring themselves yeah. out as well. I mean, it's not like, yeah, we're certainly not at the the level that that 2019 Toronto FC team was by the end of the season. But no, he he is that piece that this club has been missing for for a lot of years, or has the potential to be that piece at least. He yeah, the, yeah, I think that's an important clarification. There's still we're still talking about potential here, mm-hmm. right? Um, I you know I'd like to see uh, a partnership with uh, with our with our now returned talisman develop. Um, before I start, you know, having confetti parades down my street, but but I but I do feel that that may be an eventuality. I I, I mean, he's, he's quality. He's quality. I mean, let's let's not mince words here. He's a quality player. Uh, you know, his dribbling skills are off the charts. Uh, I think somebody said his crossing still leaves something to be desired. I would agree with that, but maybe it's a Victor Vasquez thing where he's delivering it to where he thinks a player should be, and we're not there yet, and and it's just a matter of being there to. To, to feel out his crosses but uh, he's we'll also 20 he just turned 24 years old so what's wow. also really exciting is this is a player that's not even entered his prime most likely and his best years are still ahead of him and i'll go on record here saying i think he has the potential to be the best player in major league soccer wow wow love it more than that's carlos Vela. yeah i like yeah. it i think he has <laughs> like that it. potential yeah i like it too i like it too mm-hmm. i mean Vela's a winger Vela's a, a traditional winger, so it's not like... I mean, Vela hasn't major. really been Vela since 2019. Yeah, I know. I know. But still, it's fun to say well, Vela. Speaking <laughs> of players who haven't really been themselves since 2019, let's talk about one who's returning for Toronto FC. Are we going to circle back to, to Javier? Because I love wow, the segue, I, but... I feel like that was a great segue. And you just, it was. Uh, it was a fantastic segue. <laughs> just two-footed my segue right there. We'll, we'll get to Javier. <laughs> I, megged, I megged your segue. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah. let's uh let's let's talk a bit about Josie Altidore here because Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time since that 2010 when he uh, spoke about Michael Bradley's injury that he that he's talked to the media. Uh, he spoke one more time. He spoke in, in September. Um, okay. After he set out that game against uh, Montreal. Right. Okay. Um, so he did speak to media in September, but it's been almost a year. Yeah, so wow. it's it's definitely been been rare for for Josie to speak to media, but um, we got to talk to him this week, and uh, he had a lot of things to say, a lot of things he didn't say as well. Crucially, um, said that Bill Manning reached out to him uh, a couple weeks ago to ask him if he wanted to come back to the group. He also spoke to Javier Perez shortly after the coaching change. I mean, look, we've talked about a lot of press conferences on this show recently, a lot of bad Toronto FC press conferences. I thought this was maybe one of the most important and best ones we've had in a long time because look, Josie really was for the team in this press conference. Again, it's what he didn't say that was incredibly important. He batted away questions. He like a um, pro, like a, yeah, it was, it it was a masterclass, I think. And, and an important step, I think both in terms of, of, you know, how the season's going to continue and, and what Josie might play in that role. It's funny you say that Mitch, because 
I didn't even get to question it. <laughs> maybe that's why. That's why it was the best, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, look, he 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 gave us one Josmer, which was the 13 seconds of silence, right? And that mm-hmm. and that speaks volumes. And that wasn't that was on purpose. You know what I mean? Like that was that was pretty deliberate. Um, he also gave us a whole bunch of potable quotables. Uh, that little rant about uh, uh, you know don't write off TFC, which will go with any one of the the gifts that are already in Twitter for Josmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, credit to the man. Credit to the man. He, you know, no one's going to tell Josie what to do. And even if the TFC brass were like, "Listen, you need to be on message. You, you know, we we don't want any more dissension. It's been a tough slog. Uh, you know, do do this for us." There's a it's a fifty fifty chance that he's going to come out and just start throwing elbows and 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 you know, uh, uh, dunking on on Armas, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't do that, and. Uh, you know, we know he's a professional. That's that's never been in dispute. But it's nice to see that level of professionalism. And and in, in some cases, it is almost a slap in the face to to Armas because Armas never got it right. He never got. He never achieved that that perfect balance of his personality and and you know what could be misinferred as as uh, as an aggressive sort of combative nature with with the press i think i think josie took notes from that i think the club took notes from that uh altogether a successful press conference i agree yeah um so i guess what i'll say is a lot of people are wondering what happened and what changed um and if you read between the lines i think this is something we've been hinting at for a while here on this show the problem with with what was going on is obviously chris armis and Chris Armis and Josie Altador going back and forth. The second that Chris Armis was dismissed, Josie Altador gets the call from Bill Manning, which interestingly enough, it was Bill Manning and it's not an Ali Curtis yes, yes. who made the phone call. And Josie Altador saying, you know, it was nice because he hasn't received that from anybody in a while. And the second that happened, Josie Altador was back. <laughs> It's yeah. it's quite clear based on some of the questions that that was asked to Josie Altador or the way that he answered it that once Armis was gone, Altador was was back on board. Um, and optics wise, the way that everything seems to come together here, seeing that Bill Manning was the one who who picked up the phone and called Altador, it makes it seem as though it was like an Ali Curtis Chris Armis against Josie Altador type of thing, because we also think back to preseason where the reports came out where Ali Curtis wanted to sort of restructure Josie Altador's contract. And Josie Altador, from that point, you know, he wanted out. And a quote in his press conference was, uh, he doesn't want, he didn't want to play somewhere he wasn't wanted. And I, th- and he was asked about preseason, you know, the reports that he wanted out of Toronto. And he said, quite frankly, uh, he doesn't want to play anywhere. He does. He's not wanted. And he also said, obviously, things in football change, where it seems the needle has been moved sort of on that front. Perhaps maybe Joe's, there wasn't an offer out there for Joe's Yelter that was we can, that was I think worth we moving can, him we on. Can, we can say that with the, with a guarantee. I think we can we can definitely guess on the side of that. But yeah, yeah. but just just continuing here is. It really seems as though that was that's what it is optics wise. Josie Altador, when you referred to that pause that Josie Altador took, mm-hmm. and he was asked if he was treated fairly by the club during this time, he took like a ten second pause, 
and essentially says he doesn't hold grudges, he doesn't um, wish poorly or, or badly on anybody, and he's just focused on you know winning here in Toronto, essentially. Um, this is this is wonderful. It's great. He's back. Uh, he's no hero. It was a great uh, press conference, but you know it's a little bit petulant, right? Like at the end of the day, to I mean know, to say, yeah, like we don't we don't know what what really happened, right? Like from yeah. the sounds of things, it seems as though Josie Alter would wanted wanted to come back to Toronto and wanted to be a part of this team, and he wasn't allowed to be. Because he he got into fisticuffs with the with the coach. I mean, well, we don't was, not, well, what, well, okay, verbal fisticuffs or whatever the case. Yeah. Was he right? was he like, right about what he said though? Is Chris Armis out the door think, now? Well, at you the know, end of the day, is, is this cares? one of those but things at, where we're looking but at back the end at of the Josie day, who cares? Who cares? Is this who Jeff? Cares? Is this That's one of those question. things where we're looking mm-hmm. back at Josie Altador and we say, "Whoa, what he was saying was actually right. What he wanted was was the best for Toronto FC." Because if you think back to the Michael Bradley incident. Mm-hmm. He's not calling out the club because for the sake of calling out the club. He called out the club because he wants the best for the organization because he believes Toronto C should be a, a top-class organization. Listen, when you get together to make a movie, I'm going to go into my world right now. Everybody wants it to <laughs> be a great baby. movie. But if you let the actors direct themselves, it's going to be a garbage movie, right? Eventually, the center has to hold. Everybody's got ideas. Everybody in the world's got wonderful ideas. Josie has wonderful ideas. But it's an organization, and he did an end run around his coach. I don't. I at the end of the day, I don't care what it was for, and if it was wonderful or not. It's an organizational failing. You're never bigger than the badge, right? And he put the club in a position where they had to make that that distinction. Now, you know, Bill Manning calling him outside of any of this makes sense, right? Bill Manning calling him instead of Ali Curtis because. You know, Josie's got got a bone to pick against Ali because Ali was the face delivering the news about like Bill Manning didn't have skin in the game of selling Josie. It's the it's all kinds of false positives that are building a narrative that's like a bit of a, a little bit telenovela for my taste. I'm sure it's probably as simple as, as that is. But at the end of the day, he's back. He's committed. We're all great. But there is no way that anybody comes out of this looking like a big hero. Right. Like. You, you, you just I, – I don't care if, if the BMO training ground was on fire, right? When you're a salaried employee, you, you can say, hey, guys, maybe we should go outside. The, the training ground's on fire. But you don't supersede your boss or you don't stay employed anymore. So I, mean, I, so I think that's a yeah. good point you're making there, Jeff. But mm-hmm. I think that also segues into an interesting topic, which is who should TFC bring in next as their head coach? Because tr- Josie Altador is a very accomplished legend for Toronto FC. Let's make that abundantly clear. This abundantly guy clear. Has, has scored, as Michael Bradley said, scored on the biggest nights for Toronto FC. This guy has won trophies, you know, obviously for Toronto FC. He's played at the highest levels in Europe. This is a, as almost as an accomplished player as, as it comes now in Major League Soccer, especially when you consider what he's done for the city of Toronto. Mm-hmm. So the next coach that comes in, has to be a coach that has even greater credentials that can come in and demand the respect of the dressing room because Josie Alter has been here through the highs. He's been here through the lows. So if he sees something that isn't right, I'm not upset at him for speaking up about that. Neither am I. Especially in hindsight, when we're looking back, clearly it wasn't right. Yeah. I, 
I mean, I, th- I think like Jeff said, there's, you know, this is this still, there's no heroes in this. This is going to be a tough there's situation no for a bit, uh-huh. but I do think it is a situation worth celebrating because look, we've taught, I mean, I started this segment with a shot, <laughs> with kind of a shot at Josie Altzar saying it hasn't mm-hmm. been the same since 2019. We've talked at length about how, you know, maybe he's not worth the designated player contract and the club could be better if that was used elsewhere. But with that being said, it was literally worst case scenario to have him sitting out oh, yeah. on the side. You're not you're not getting one. You're not getting the incredible experience and winning mentality that Josie Altador obviously brings. I mean, we can talk about the Leon game, him throwing balls on the field from the stands to kill time at the end of the game. Like this guy's a but, winner. There's zero questions about that. So having him like sit on the side and, and just take up a designated player spot, that's literally worst case scenario for Toronto FC. He also comes back with a huge chip on his shoulder. I mean, again, you know, he might be he might be angry at stuff we as the media have been saying. It's a yep. World Cup year. He's got to be mad at the way the club handled the situation. We we got that from the 13-second pause. There's so many people <laughs> that Josie mm-hmm. Altador is out to prove wrong. Oh, his, and... his shit list is, is gigantic. It's, it's oh, a yeah. the board at this point. Yeah, it, yeah. Exactly. So I do think we're getting an incredibly motivated Josie Altador. So that, that in itself... Should be fun to watch. And I did want to read his quote. Jeff mentioned it mm-hmm. earlier at the end of his press conference because it at least got me fired up. Um, oh, so fired up. So season. fired up. So, so let's read it out. If there's anybody out there that's counting us out, they're making a big, big mistake. In that locker room, it's a locker room of champions. It's a locker room of winners. We have a new guy in Jefferson Soteldo that's ready to set the world on fire and we're motivated and hungry as ever. Coming back to, to Toronto has been helpful for that in a big way, but also the adversity and also being in a position we're in. Nobody's happy about it, but everybody is ready to work and we are far, far from finished. Let people write us off if they want, but I tell you right now, we're going to go again and it starts Saturday. Like that was the, that was the perfect footnote for that press conference and, and, you know, leading into the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's just hope Saturday is good because otherwise. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, Yvonne's mentioning it in the comments yep. as well. Yeah, he is. I saw it. Yeah. And I think this is a maybe a good way to build in the the Javier Perez thing. I mean, it was it was just one win. Um, mm-hmm. So certainly, you know, it, it's it's not a winning streak. It's not anything other than one isolated victory. We've also been asked earlier if they've decided on an interim coach yet. So I think that does segue as well into heavier Perez and, and, you know, obviously a good start for him, but what, what do we think going forward? Is this the, is this the guy to, to at least for the, the interim lead Toronto FC forward? Because it was a great first impression. No doubt about that. Mike? Yeah. I, th- I think we still, we still need to see if he is the guy to lead this team forward, mm-hmm. but at the very least he's earned another shot. And I obviously, agree. obviously he's going to get that shot on Saturday. Um, TFC have said they, they told, uh, Neil Davidson, that essentially they're not going to announce him as the formal interim manager. They're not going to put that pressure on him. They're not going to make that that leap over the line um, for the club perspective, just in case they decide to quickly change directions following Saturday. But for now, Javier Perez will be the guy in charge on Saturday. And based on what we saw on was it Wednesday night against mm-hmm. New England. Um, he deserves that shot. I mean, this is this is the closest thing we've seen to TFC of last year, um, and not just results wise, like the, the style of play that they 
they tried there to deploy it. There was a wonderful passage <laughs> of Tiki Taka, TFC Tiki Exactly. Taka. They were willing when yeah. they, they were put under pressure instead of just hoofing the ball downfield and trying to recover on the counter press. They were breaking down those line those those yep. presses so elegantly in a yeah. way that TFC used to do with their eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And the way that you know teams used to respect that from TFC. So I think you know if they keep heading in that direction, that was only two days under Perez as well. And those are things that he tried to implement. And if if we get a full week under him, I'm interested to see, at the very least, interested to see mm. um, how this team reacts under him. Going, going back to Josie, though, here's a question for you. This is a Band-Aid solution. If we think we've, we've solved the riddle of Josie's insubordinate streak uh, and, his, and his temptation to be outspoken and beef uh, you know, outside of his purview, we're fools. Uh, you know, if he starts scoring at a massive clip, everybody's happy. Everything's wonderful. Um, you know, but that's just one eventuality. You know, if he starts slumping again, God forbid, if he goes down with a hamstring injury again, I mean, the big disconnect here Don't is you that, put that out there. Yeah. Well, the, big, the big disconnect with Josie is that he's, you know, and this isn't a fault of his because athletes in that position have to have insane self-belief. Otherwise, what's the point, right? That, that insulates you from all the, from all the BS. So you can't expect an elite athlete to not be, you know, buried up their own, up their own arsehole, but he is. And, you know, his, his, his worldview is that he's still the world destroying Josie that he was in 2017. It ain't 2017 anymore. The ends don't justify the means. So, you know, it, it's an, it's a logical, it's a logic bomb because he expects to be treated like the superstar he was not the superstar he is. And, you know, do, do, I mean, we don't. I don't fault. I don't fault Ali Curtis a, even a little bit for trying to move him in the offseason, because otherwise, what kind of a GM do we have? You know, mm-hmm. that that's unacceptable. That kind of performance is unacceptable. And if he's going to get mad at at the way the world works, I mean, he just said in the in the press conference, you know, everything changes in football instantly. Well, your change wasn't instant. It's been a steady two year decline, man. So like. You know, if it, if it's good for the goose, it has to be good for the gander, and and we still don't see that with Josie, and we never ever will. So, I'm just saying, you know, prepare yourselves for the next explosion, however it may be. I mean, he's definitely. Uh, there's no question, Josie's got some words to back up here, but um, again, I just think it's. Uh, I, I just think that's more positive than negative right now, in the sense mm-hmm. that, at minimum. Toronto FC have, you know, a player who's proven to be one of the better strikers in the league over the past couple of years that they can actually use on the field again at a time when Io Akinola and, you know, a lot of other key guys are off at gold top duty. Great like point. from from that Great minimum point. stage, uh, it's it's good for the team. And, sure. and, and it, I didn't want it to end that way. I really didn't. Yeah. So that yeah. too. Yeah. If if we yeah. can get a better ending to this, then I'm I'm thrilled for it because I think what I'm saying then, Mitch, is make it. no mistake that, that that this is Act Three. Like this ain't you know we're not going back to to Act Two here, right? Like there is a there is an end date here, and it's a lot quicker than than we we'd like to think. At least I don't know. I'm trying to organize my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. let me let me rephrase that. Are you are you writing Josie Altador off? I'll never write Josie Altador off. I am entirely unimpressed with with his candor over the last couple of years. Uh, I will never ever side with an individual player over the badge, 
ever. I think that was a, a, a major lapse. Um, I'm not mad at the club for for doing this. It's it's all wacky right now, um, but you know, our culture is important. Culture is very 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 important, and uh, but culture know, keep, culture no, is Josie Altador. We can't keep firing everybody he doesn't get along with. That's unsustainable, you know. Like regardless of of of, of Armis working out or not, we can't keep firing everybody that who, that, who else that have we fired? Also, I, who I else has Toronto with, fired? I can mm. tell you with great certainty that Josie Altaro was far from the only Toronto FC player by no, the no, end. Of course, yeah, of course, Toronto not, of FC course player not. who wanted Armas out. So interesting, you not. made an interesting point there, Jeff, where you said mm. that no player is greater than TFC badge, and you think that Josie Altaro's actions were putting himself over the the TFC badge. What my, under- what my understanding of the situation was was that Josie Alter wanted the best for the TFC badge. And from his opinion, the best for the TFC badge was not Chris Armas. Okay, there are ways and means to do that without getting yourself exiled. From sure, we all, know, we all know who Josie Alter is. We all know mm. the way that he decides to Would it have been as successful? Things. Not really. No, I, I don't know. Would Armas <laughs> have been out? But would, but but you know Armis was on his way out anyway, right? Like if you if you not at May these... not on May twenty second, he got a ba- public backing from the team on June fourteenth. Yeah, public backing, public schmacking. If you if you believe, if you if, if you uh, I lost my I lost my train of thought there. Um, you know, if you believe the the sort of post mortems, right? Like even even his best buddy uh, uh, MB four was like, oh, he was doomed from the beginning, right? So it was only a matter of time. Right, like J- Josmer could have waited it out like everybody else. Uh, I'm just saying that the impetus, you know, why, why it's the Balotelli thing. Why always me? Well, don't get into a fight with everybody, and then maybe you it won't always be you. Like it, just, it seems a little disingenuous to to be insubordinate and then claim you're doing it for the club, right? Like you're you're kind of tearing the organizational fabric of the club apart. I don't think. Well, don't he know. never claimed that he was doing it for the club. Right. Yeah. So that, there's that. But yeah. Um, do we, uh, we mentioned IO, uh, Oso, and who's the other? Richie. 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 Yeah. Richie with Canada. Kamara's with Jamaica. And got that win. Got Eric, that Eric Zavaleta is with El Salvador. Let's, uh, anything else for the, the Michael Singh injury report? I mean, those aren't injuries, but no. absences. No, actually, you know, TFC are, are pretty good right now. Like, we've nice. been, this is like, what, three, four straight games where that injury report is has been tiny. We've been easy, quick to criticize this team uh, mm. for not keeping their players healthy. So I think we should take an opportunity to commend them for being able to take keep, you know, the majority of their players healthy. Um, now let's see if they can get a run of it because, you know, Wednesday was the first time this team has started both Jefferson Soteldo and Alejandro Pozuelo. Um, and just one more thing, I'll, I guess I'll add to that injury report, is it's still a question mark as to whether we'll see Josie Alter on Saturday. Um, yeah. This is a guy who hasn't played in any matches for almost two months now. Um, he's been training on his own. Um, and <laughs> he... Uh, he wants to play in Saturday's match, but he admitted himself that he'll take a few weeks to get going. So if he does play in Saturday, it'll likely be a cameo appearance sort of off the bench. Oh, um, yeah. But what what a 
let's say hypothetically, guys, that game happens, you know, right behind me here, right mm-hmm. at BMO Field. Imagine Josie Altador, 75th minute, standing on the touchline. You see the red number 17 or the green number 17 go up there on, on the, the fourth official's board mm-hmm. in front of 15,000 fans, hypothetically. Hypothetically. The ovation <laughs> yeah. that, that Altador would get, that even thinking about it gives me goosebumps. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Except, what a great except for Jeff, of course, who's there booing because Patrick Mullins is being taken <laughs> off the spot. Everyone else, everyone else is booing. I, I crying, actually properly crying. I won't, I won't be able to, to boo because I'll be so sad. Uh, but yeah, what uh, a moment that would be, certainly. Yeah, and we hope it's in, in front of the home fans as well. Still no still no confirmation on that, certainly. But, um, but lots of conjecture. Yeah, lots yeah, of conjecture. Ton of conjecture. Go, well, ton of conjecture. Do you yeah. guys want to get into that for, for a minute? I think we should. I think we should. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there's a there's a lot of insane takes going around the internet as to as to what's gonna happen here. Why, mm-hmm. why don't I've you set the table? Them. Set I've seen a couple of them. So the one that's obviously going around is MLSE has reached out to their employees to to rehire uh, for BMO Field, which is, by the way, absolutely true. One hundred percent, I can confirm that as well. Yeah, but but they need to do that regardless if they get the green light or not. You can't wait until Thursday, hypothetically, if they get the green light and be like, "Oh, guys, by the way, can you guys work this Saturday?" No, mm-hmm. you have you have to be prepared in advance to do that. So. It's still a question mark um, whether or not they, they haven't been given a yes. They haven't been given a no, as Steve Buffery is reporting. Yeah. And what I will add is the longer that this goes on, the less likely it is for TFC to get that green light for this Saturday. Um, to play with I, fans or to play without fans? Because I think both. They're, they're two. Both, really? Both. Yeah. Wow. I, so, I, so here's what I'll add as well. Playing with fans, that's not an issue. Mm. Getting fans in the stadium, that is not an issue right now. Wouldn't it be the a provincial- logistical nightmare? Like so if they get approved on That's Thursday. taken care of. They, they've been okay. prepared. They have okay. plans in place for this for a very long time. All this right. has been thought of for a while. So they have the, the, the logistics down pat as to how they'd welcome fans back. So having fans back in the stadium is not an issue. If it's TSC good. get the green light, they will be playing in front of fans. Wow. The issue right now is getting that border approval for players specifically you know obviously the biggest question mark is players who aren't vaccinated and staff who aren't vaccinated getting that green light for them to come across the border without the 14-day quarantine with that yeah. without the quarantine period right um so i know that they're they're trying to you know have a couple workarounds i know uh hotel access is, is an option for suits. Of those. they have to play in those plastic bubbles, like. <laughs> I, I, you know they're, they're looking at some bubble options and whatnot yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, they have not been given the green light yet. Now, Bill Manning is very optimistic. This could be a PR thing. This could be them putting the pressure it's, on. It's, it's yeah, yeah. This could be the pressure of them putting on uh, the uh, the government by getting some public interest behind them. Um, but that that decision still hasn't been made yet, even though Bill I, Manning is very optimistic. So, yeah. I have a question. Do you think it's too early? Because let's put it this way: if if they get approval, and uh, who's coming to play us on Saturday? I can't remember. Is it Orlando. Orlando for the more for the four hundred millionth time? So say Orlando comes, and they've got a few unvaccinated dudes, and we've got uh, more than I expected, according to Beezer uh, Beezer's tweet this morning. We have some unvaxed, uh, and then there's an outbreak. We aren't seeing a return to BMO for the rest of the season. 
you know what I mean? That's our one and only chance, and then we've blown it. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't okay. think. Well, I, I do. I. I, I, I mean, I, I. think. I think it would set us back by by a fair margin. I mean, that. That's. That can't be argued. I mean, right? if ninety five percent of the league, which is what Jeff, Jeff Carlisle is reporting, is vaccinated, mm. where is is that outbreak going to be? The Nick DeLeons of the world, right? Like so, the, it'll be the, like two, three, four players. That's right, an outbreak, but, if, but but one is more than enough to to for in the in the court of public opinion. And the other well, thing that I'm worried about is this, like, um, and and I I have on good authority that 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 they're taking steps to avoid what the NBA saw, which was a horror show. Right, those first couple of games back that the NBA had with fans where players were getting spit on and having bottles thrown at them and there were fights in the concourse and all of that nonsense. They're, you know, they have the benefit of not being first, like the NBA didn't. So they're definitely trying, like they're hiring a lot more security than they would just to avoid that eventuality. I'm worried that if they get the, I mean, let, let's, let's hit the Twitter takes, right? Like every supporters group in TFC land is claiming that they have exclusive purview of this ticket draw lottery and uh and you know that's gonna piss off the the people that that pay more for their seats than 25 dollars. i don't think anyone's claiming There's, that i just think I've, that they so what i've seen on that is that they mm. do have a plan in place to get supporters groups tickets no one's saying they're the only ones who can get tickets i think that's where the, the confusion is right mm, there's a lot of bluster out there and it's and then the, a lot of people that are like you know not not sitting in the so-called cheap seats are wondering how they get squeezed out and then there's this there's this this rumor circulating that there's going to be a lot of frontline workers getting freebies in there as well uh it's a whole lot of conjecture and i'm just worried that if they get the green light on thursday you know well, like, that's I not say it was just a hypothetical like, okay, hopefully they're, hopefully they're... they can get it today hopefully they can get it tomorrow but i'm saying right. if you wait until thursday that's probably a bit too late um, that's what i'm saying to get everybody you know get orlando across the border whatever their their setup is you know potentially that's enough time but obviously friday would be too late you know yeah so yeah. I'm hopefully just, we hear I'm some news later i mean remember what happened when montreal opened up for 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 seat for for fans during that one lull in the pandemic right um it ended up being a money talk situation, which I think is pretty much the only way it's going to be exactly. uh, for TFC, mm -hmm. which was, you know, there was a lottery. And if you were willing to wait and, and bide your time, you're fine. But if you had $250, you had your seat, right? Like that was your ticket. You were sorted. And, and I do think that we might end up in a situation like that here. Yeah. Per perhaps, I, I think that's yeah. unavoidable. It's a, there's no fair way to do this. And that, that's even really the case is. for like regular season games that are very coveted, like even or MLS the pandemic, Cup, right? The first yeah. MLS anything, Cup was anything a cluster, like that was an absolute. Cluster. That's just that's just the market of sports. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, our seats yeah. for for MLS Cup 2016, our regular seats went to like the the president of Home Depot or some garbage, <laughs> right? And then we had to like we were we were scrambling, and we're we were season ticket holders, you know, and and. Atlanta had the same issue in 2018. We had the same issue in 2017. Seattle mm -hmm. had that issue. Uh, there's no fair way to do it, and I do. I, I think of, at the at the end of the day, it will be money talks. What I, I what I will money. add, Jeff, mm -hmm. is everybody wants to be at that first game back, but TFC also play the 21st, and they also play the first at home. 
So there's exactly. going to be lots of opportunity, guys, Once if they do get the green light moving forward the rest of the season. Obviously, everyone wants to be at that first well, you're, game. you're taking me to the we'll press room anyway, right? I'm, car- I'm carrying your knapsack. So <laughs> I don't even know if I can be taking myself <laughs> to the press room at that yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> That's my trump card. I don't have to worry about no crappy lottery. I got press access. I'm going to cheer. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to be fair. It's not going to it's not going to be fair. It's not. People are going to be pissed off. Um, you know, there's a lot of bluster going around Twitter right now. I know you haven't seen. I wouldn't. It. I sure have. I have. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy into it though. Like there is. Well, there's a plan yeah. in place to give people tickets beyond the supporters group. I will. Mm. I will guarantee that. Right. Listen, so it, listen, the world is bigger than the supporters groups, even though they are important. They're so they're important. Just, they're so important, and 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 it's good video, right? It's good B-roll, and and that can't be un- <laughs> no, it can't be understated. Just like, like a true filmmaker, but it yeah. can't. I mean, do you want do you want the family buried in their popcorn in the two hundred level, or do you want the guys wearing bandanas, you know, throwing flare like juggling flares? It's, mm-hmm. it's an easy calculus, um, but you can't. You know, I don't want to be the MLSE people. I really, mm-hmm. I really don't because it's it's an it's an unwinnable situation. There'll be people on the outside looking in any way you slice it. Any way you slice it. Ivan asked you a direct question, Mike. Okay. Am I allowed at the BMO training ground? Um, so not yet, but I, I did receive word that Bill Manning does want us back at the BMO training ground. Um, he want he does want reporters back there. Perhaps, you know, if they get clearance this week, maybe as soon as this week. Um, but right now not yet because the team just got back there obviously and they haven't received clearance for uh for multiple people to be there so um they are working towards it and hopefully we do get access back there because it's so important in covering mm-hmm. this game it's so important yeah and we've been talking Things about are moving that so fast season. i mean i mean you know where where we're going to be in a month who knows things are like the world is reopening a lot quicker than we expected <laughs> um Here's a question: Would you would you want to go to that first game? It, all things being equal, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't yeah. be comfortable? Oh yeah, that that's yeah. You know, everyone has their own preference there. Uh, personally, I think we're all double vaccinated here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I'm the closest to the 14 days from all of us, though. But uh, yeah, yeah um, but, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Really? Yeah. All right. Don't you don't want to be there, Jeff? I mean, yeah, I do. But it would be, it would, I, I think the day of would be, I'd be an anxious wreck if we're being honest, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I, don't know. I think we've seen, though, like it, there is proof of concept in a lot of different places now, yeah. and obviously far less safe than what they'd be doing at BMO Field, and it doesn't yeah. seem to be... Fair point. Um, really having watch the, the Euros, cause. Yeah, 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 Euros. I mean, any any American at this point, UFC. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're. Um, it doesn't seem to be having an outbreak thing. So uh, at least they have plenty of evidence to show that. Uh, that yeah, this is this is starting to be more and more safe. Um, yeah. and it's outdoors yeah. too, right? That that's also Correct. very yeah. important. Yeah, that, that is a massive. Uh, it's not like an indoor stadium that's that's mm-hmm. enclosed, like. We know the, right. the science behind the, the, the virus. There's the tunnel for the in, for the ingress and the egress. You know, there's the concourse, which can always be an issue. Uh, sure. uh, the washrooms, certainly. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be and nice to not have... Things that they're, they're thinking through. Yeah. Um, Again, the, these are yeah, all things that they're thinking through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. But, uh, that's, you know, the yeah, go ahead. Mitch, so. Well, I was going to say that's largely why they cut capacity, right? Is the... Yeah. Is, yeah. The, is not just 
people in seats. It's uh, it's the getting in and out, all the different stuff like that. But yeah, again, they've had I this s- plan in place for so I long. said we're going to talk about this for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> How long has we it been? Like off. four yeah. hours? <laughs> yeah, for sure. This shows, man. Everybody's super excited. We all yeah. want to get back to BMO. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we're back there sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, but we'll await word on that because we haven't gotten the green light yet. Place your yeah. bets. Do you think? Do you think they'll get the green light? That's anyone's guess at this point. I, I do. I actually yeah. do. Yeah. Mm. But I, I think it's going to be on Friday. I wouldn't be. I'm not optimistic, right? I know Bill Manning's very optimistic. I personally. He has to be. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not the most optimistic. I do. I This team will be back by August. Like in August latest, this team will be back. Mm-hmm. But oh, I'm yeah. not sure how I feel about the 17th yet. Okay. Yeah. It it would yeah, be super right. cool though if Toronto FC were the first like major I guess with like major fans back. We saw Montreal and that definitely wasn't thirty five hundred. Um, we mm-hmm. saw <laughs> we've obviously seen the CanPL have some fans as well, which is awesome. But awesome. I mean that, so awesome. that that'd be the closest we've had to like a full stadium, I guess, in in Canada. So that would be a, that'd be a special moment and obviously yeah. cool yeah. if it was Toronto FC certainly. Um, again, you're not holding can, your breath. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Definitely, that's that's fair. Um, let, let's move on to some gold cup. But first, I think we we obviously have to acknowledge a, a big loss in the Toronto FC community this week, and that is former Toronto FC manager Paul Mariner, who passed away at the age of sixty eight. Managed the team in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. <laughs> um, also played thirty five times for England, scoring thirteen times for his country. Um, played for what Arsenal as well. Play for? Arsenal, yeah, that's yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Ipswich Town. <laughs> Um, part of an incredible playing career. Uh, I wasn't around in, in a media capacity at that time, but I've heard all kinds of good stories about yeah, what a John, good guy John Paul did, Mariner was. John on uh, TFC Republic did a video blog where he gave us some some interesting uh, Paul Mariner tidbits, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a it was a nice little watch about ten minutes of just John talking, uh, you know, recounting his stories. Um, you know, cancer, damn, yeah, sixty eight years old, brain cancer, damn, mm-hmm. damn, damn. Uh, uh, I was not aware of how poor his his record for wins and losses with TFC was. I remember it was, it was bad. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think no, no. I mean, he was he was, su- he was such a, he was such an in betweener, right? Like he was yeah. between Nelson and and Winter. So it was it was two very strong personalities and, mm-hmm. and a front office that had no patience. It's not a it's not at all a, a, a knock on him. In fact. If yeah. you listen to John's video, like he had some great ideas and he was willing to, he was really, you know, he was willing to, um, to fight for principle over and above uh, advantage and, and for TFC at that time in their history, you know, any advantage would have been amazing. So the yeah. fact that he was willing to go, go for principles, uh, you know, may, may have been an important stepping stone into uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the culture and the identity that the club became. I think maybe mm. there's there's something there for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Condolences to, to him yeah. and his family, obviously. To, um, just devastating news, I guess, to wake up to. Um, especially when, you know, this this club's a new club. And to hear that, that someone who who is essentially, you know, the face of this club has, has passed... Yes, when they were on that touchline, like not that long ago, I was mm-hmm. a fan at that point. I wasn't as Mitch, you know, same thing. I, I wasn't in the media, but I've heard great things about Paul. 
and you know stories like that really hit home so definitely condolences to hit to his family there yeah yeah and certainly stuck around called games for the new england revolution as well i mean was was a big part of north american soccer culture for yeah for a while there so you know um yeah yeah um let's uh to his family and and yeah he's in our thoughts absolutely Mm -hmm. let's uh let's move on there's no obviously good way to to transition out of this but uh uh, a big win for Canada um, to to open open the Gold Cup. Obviously, um, not not the greatest start. That's that's oh for sure. Oh my god! With, uh, <laughs> with, with uh, Mark Anthony K so kind of putting the ball into his own net. But with that being said, I you know one of the things we always talk about is how different this Canada team was for from from past teams or is from past teams and. The, how quickly they responded, how quickly Laren scored that goal. And then, you know, after that, it was pretty clear. It was, it was yeah. going to be a win for Canada. Were you, that were you worried good. when they conceded that goal? No, to be honest. Wow. You weren't worried at all? Yeah, I wasn't even really, worried no. in the slightest. No. Really? Wow. Yeah. I think change, again, between, boys. between the Suriname game and the Haiti game, like, They've just shown they can roll with the punches so much better than in the past. Obviously, look, if that goal was uh, against a better team, the, the United States um, or, or Mexico or something like that, then I'd be worried. But uh, I think Canada at this point has shown that, you know, this isn't the same team that we need to worry about losing these these games against impo- opponents that are that that much inferior, right? Like, yeah. uh, they have they ha- have so many attacking weapons, and I'm sure you guys, you guys are... Excited to talk about some of those. Yeah, let's let's get into it, man. Let's talk yeah. about Tejan Buchanan because yeah, he was obviously one, yeah. the, the star there um, on Saturday, Sunday, and yeah. wow, just a, another reason why he has been so coveted. Why European teams have been scouting this guy. Um, we can talk about his his pace. We can talk about his ability to go forward. His ability to take you know, people on 1v1. Mm-hmm. But what really stands out, his versatility, but what really his stands out to me yeah. is his his toughness. This is mm-hmm. a guy that, like, doesn't back down from challenges. He's a guy that takes getting beat, someone taking him on 1v1. He takes that, like, personally. <laughs> and does not let someone buy him, which is why he is he's so versatile. Like, he can... We talk about like, he can beat people on one v one. This is why he's a great winger, left left side or right side. And then you think about his, I don't know what to call it, but his his ego almost of getting beat, which what makes him such a good defender, so tough to play against. Mm-hmm. And what is he like? Twenty two years old, something like that. Twenty one years God. old. Twenty two, yeah. Um, New England Revolution have a have a really good one there. He could be very important to this team as you know their first place in the Eastern Conference. He didn't play against Toronto FC that night, and I'll go as far as saying he's a better version of Richie Larea. Wow! Wow! I I, I he's yeah. younger than Richie by three years. Mm-hmm. I think he's a better version of Richie Larea, and you know how much like I I love Richie. Yeah, I think Tejon's that good. Was that the first time Tejon's played as a wingback? Uh, no, a wingback? no, maybe no, he left played, wingback, but 
Yeah, he yeah the left side yes, uh, but he did play as a right wing back. That was a big thing for New England during their playoffs last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And right wing back. Well. for yeah, the absolutely. under twenty threes. Credit to Bruce Arena for identifying right. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, but what, the modern fullback that a is Canadian the, is the new fullback. That's that's yeah. like the easiest thing. To <laughs> yeah, it, and, and also also wing back is the new box to box midfielder. Don't you know? So yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, so impressive, so impressive. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, the one guy who I couldn't take my eyes off of was Steven Eustachio. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Leamington he's native. So, he's yeah. so, so, so quality. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's so, so, so good. Like, I'm sorry, Mitch, because it looks what like Sam Piet is, a, is, is, is riding the bench now. Um, but damn, Eustachio. You were, you've, you've been high on him for a long, long time. You've been singing his praises for, for years. And He's just getting better and better, man. Like he's so silky on the ball. That goal was fantastic. We talked about it too. His touch yeah. is so solid. Like when you so when solid. he pass, you know it's it's stopping like right in, in his wheelhouse. Such, it's got such yeah. like such vitriol. His passes are like mean. They're mean passes. <laughs> like I feel the same way about oh, Mac. Right. When Mac those those through balls, when Mac keeps him on the floor, they're mean. Mm-hmm. They've got like a sneer on them. Yeah. It's like put me in the back of the net. Like they're just. They're so <laughs> deliberate. So it's yeah. it's nice. It's because, you know, defensively he's he's really good, Eustachio. But but when he when he what did you say? Did you did you say it's Mac and Eustachio that are like the, the ink written in ink midfield starters for this team right now? Unless Atiba's there. And Atiba over Mac? Yeah. Hmm. So you got Ozo or, or top, over Ozo, yeah. maybe. But well, we don't, yeah, we don't have to worry about that at the moment. But yeah, no, I certainly agree with that. I did want to circle back to Tejan because I think Michael Ray made a really good point about mentality, which is this tournament's huge for Tejan. There's no question about that. We all know that European scouts from multiple teams are watching him. And he has the talent to play in Europe. I truly believe that. But mm-hmm. talent is far from everything, especially in Europe. It's a different game. It's, it's far more serious. Soccer's a way of life over there. I mean, we... We talked briefly to, to Rocco Romeo about you yep. know his experiences there and, and how different it is, and you know talking to a bunch of guys, Liam Frazier, all those guys who've gone over there. It, it's it's different over there, and I think Tejan's showing that he has the mentality as well to be to be a European player. So, like again, I, I think some team over there is going to be going to be really lucky to have this guy. And in, in what league? What league would you say? Ooh. That's a tough one. Um, he can play in any league right now, to, in my right, opinion. But if you put him in the prem, he's going to get hacked to pieces, and we might have an Almiron. I think he's that so. tough, man. Like I think he can hang in the prem because he has that wow. that personality about him, where he isn't afraid to to get into a tackle. He won't he won't back down from a challenge, and he has the frame and the stature and the power. I think to compete there in the Premier League, so. I'm I'm confident in saying wow. his playing style fits any sort of league, and I cool. think that so, he can go to any so league he wants. Manchester United give us Jaden Sancho, and you guys. Can uh, okay. <laughs> wait, like <laughs> so, wait, like the New England Revolution get Jaden Sancho, or the Canadian no, no, national team? No, 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 Arsenal <laughs> gets Jaden Sancho, and, and uh, they can have okay. Oh, I wasn't clear about that. Yes, Arsenal gets Jaden. <laughs> so very uh-huh. quick, very quickly, mm-hmm. um, Gold Cup the rest of the way forecast mm. on the horizon is we got haiti on thursday yeah. and then we have the u.s on saturday mm-hmm. do you think canada rolls out a weaker side for that haitian team 
Or do you think they try and get the win against Haiti and then whatever happens against the U.S. happens? Gold differential, man. You got to get those easy wins. You got yeah. it. Or if you have any chance at this gold cup, you don't throw that win away. You don't. I Again, it just gives me hives to overlook Haiti, man. Like that, that <laughs> yeah. was, That's what happened at the last gold cup, right? Was Canada... They were they had all eyes on Mexico like they they were they uh, in the group stage they tried that wonky formation against Mexico because they didn't want to play their cards against them oh. at halftime they they uh, against Haiti they just they, they made some not so great subs to bring off some guys to rest them for Mexico yeah. like yeah. you can't look past anyone in this tournament so no. I, I don't think this Haiti side is nearly as good as the one a couple years ago and I do think that this Canada side is better from top to bottom yep but. Yeah, I don't think you can overlook that. We game. have the no. depth. Let's not galaxy brain anything. Let's yeah. like seriously. Like we have the depth. We've got the guys. You know, Io didn't even see the pitch uh, uh, on on Sunday. Let's let's not galaxy brain it. Let's just mm-hmm. shoot to win, right? Maybe maybe galaxy brain World Cup qualifying, but now is not the time. Let's get let's get this silverware. I'm not afraid of the states at all. Um, mm-hmm. I, what's going on with Mexico? So they're now going to give. The women's team, their fan-free games. I don't even know. Colin, rightfully correct us in the chat. By the yeah, way, Sunday, USA yeah, is on the eighteenth of Sunday. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, because that's Mexico. insane. If Mexico gets to gets to uh, bury their sanctions in in matches that you know don't necessarily have the same uh, bizarre. Uh, importance. It's bizarre. Yeah. It's and they're doing uh, the chance again. They did it the, the, the their match uh, over the on the mm-hmm. weekend at the weekend. Um, I think that that opens up another can of worms, and we're already going a little bit over. Yeah, yeah um, we're super going late, but, but I, I, I think that's crazy. I think that's absolutely yeah, crazy. Like, bizarre, it's not, yeah. It's super bizarre. And if this was the Euros, because the Gold Cup is our Euros, th- mm-hmm. they, you know, there'd be there'd be rioting in the streets. So, so something's got to be done about that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I I do want to talk a bit about Canada USA because I think that's obviously going to be the the big marquee matchup. And I just want to say I do kind of like the fact that again we're we're talking about how this USA side doesn't scare us. Well, this Canadian side doesn't have David or Davies, so I think this will be a better indication of the the middle of that Canada roster, right? Like Canada's depth without their two guys, their two talismans up front. We'll we'll, we'll get a good idea of where Canada is from top to bottom. And I, I like yeah. that idea of going in and, and, you know, the, the depth squads from us men's national team. Against exactly. Canada and, depth against and, depth. And, yeah. yeah. And w- is that mentality, just the fact that Canada has a couple world beaters on their team and they follow those guys, or is it from top to bottom? Are the, are there other guys who are going to step up here and, and, you know, show what Canada's made of now. So I'm really excited for that match. I think it's, Me it's too. a big one for the program. I'm excited yeah. for every match because they're, you know, this Canada team is, is worth your attention. So, so. quickly, mm-hmm. is this Gold Cup, you guys want to win this Gold Cup, like, regardless? Because for me, I think what's most important here is that we ensure that we, at least from John Herman's perspective, I think he has to use this as um, more information to use towards World Cup qualifying. Because for mm-hmm. me, I, I don't really care if Canada gets knocked out in the Gold Cup what I care about is qualifying for the world cup. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I mean, what better way to see what we've got than taking home the silverware? <laughs> I think yeah. <laughs> like in a perfect world, we take home, we win everything. So you want, so but you not? want to check out like some of the depth pieces in the midfield. Can Liam Frazier mm-hmm. maybe step up and, you know, cement a place on that world cup qualifying roster, for example, players like that, give them opportunities to kind of step up here and take. He's so far you know, down auditions. the depth chart, Liam, though, that, 
I mean, we've Is answered he? that question. He yeah, played well. Yeah. I mean, he's played. Great, but, he's but, played in like he's appeared in like Canada's last five games or something. I, I I agree. I think he's a wonderful option off the bench, but you know, he's not starting over Atiba. Oh no, no, no one's saying over... a starter. Yeah. No one's calling yeah, yeah. him a starter, but we have okay. to name twenty three people to that World Cup qualifying roster, right? Okay. Yeah. Could he be I, you know that's what I'm wondering. Should should yeah. John Herbin now use this as an opportunity to fill out the rest of his roster? Or should he just go out there, play the best squad every every time to ensure that Canada gets the win of the Gold Cup? What's yeah. what's the mentality here, right? I, I think you do look at other guys and I think Colin's right. I agree. Like, let's get Io in there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a bunch of other guys I'd love to see. Let's, let's see what Tyler Pasher can do. Even, you know, Corbino, Corbiano, I'm not sure. I mean, he's played what, like 10 minutes for Canada and scored twice. So <laughs> let's maybe give this guy a start, see what he can do. Like, I don't know. I, th- I think there's a balance to be found there. I think. I, th- I think this is a good opportunity. Such good this, problems to have. It's a perfect time for John Herbert to test to his depth. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but really, really good problems to have. I mean, yeah, yeah. certainly. Yeah. All right, guys. I think uh, I think that brings us to the end of our show. the The one year anniversary edition for for Wake the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks. Um, we probably Boy. have to go another hour at least if we gave everyone their, their proper thank yous who made Seriously. this show possible and, and continue to make it great. So I guess mm-hmm. I'll I'll paraphrase it a bit. Thank you to all the guests who have given their time and energy over the past 52 episodes. Thank you, of course, as we mentioned off the top, to Kevin Kennedy for, for taking the chance on us and allowing us to use his platform and, and build the show into what it is. Sophia for her great work as a producer and, uh, you know, for, for – keeping Jeff company before we go to air uh, <laughs> and uh, Edwin for uh, his incredible show write-ups on, on waking the red. Thanks to, to vast robot armies, of course, for their song, little Detroit that kicks off the show. Um, that yeah, it's it a great song. Great song. Um, as always, thank you from the, from the bottom of our hearts for everyone who watches, listens, interacts with these shows. Uh, it's always a highlight of our weeks to, to talk to all of you and, and we appreciate it so very much. Michael, Jeff, before we go, you guys have any uh, any last special shout-outs here or thank yous? You said it. You, I couldn't have said it better, Mitch. Uh, we love doing this. We love, you know, I, this is this is great. Long, long may it continue. Yeah, and especially uh, thank you to everybody who's in the chat that interacts with us. I know we don't we don't get to your comments enough, but uh, we read each and every one of them um, that come through and. Well, the ones that call me a jerk, I, I kind of gloss over. But. I love those are my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those, those are yeah. my favorite comments. <laughs> the ones that I call yeah. Jeff. Uh, keep keep that up, guys. Keep that passion up. But no, seriously, um, thank you for for interacting here with us. Thank you to all of our listeners afterwards who who go back and obviously this is an awkward time for some people. So appreciate those who tune in afterwards. We know we've had people on Waking the Red. They've told us that they've made this into a routine every Tuesday where yeah, they listen dinner, to this. Yeah cook dinner during it exactly it's 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 honestly bizarre to us because talk about their favorite guy jeff they talk about there you go (laughs) we're just a couple (laughs) of of, of friends here who who get along and and just come here to chat tfc so we're happy to bring you guys along for the ride and and really really appreciate that hopefully we get some good news this week and who knows maybe one day we can do one of these in person right and yeah maybe that that starts on saturday when uh maybe tfc Hopefully get some good news this weekend about return to BMO Field. 
Indeed. So let's roll the special closing cr credits because they're a little bit longer than the, the usual. Let, 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 let Mitch get his outro in. <laughs> Why? I've, I've got the outro in the... Uh, whatever. Do your outro, Mitch. Until next Tuesday, you have to roll the credits. Jeff, how you guys doing? <laughs> Hold on, Mitch. You're not you're not done anywhere without talking about your scarf right now. Come on. <laughs> we'll join the show to talk a little bit about his new project, In Barry, and plenty more. The Onyx that we wore. Onyx that we wore. Onyx that we wore. Onyx. Oh my god! Oh my god. Oh, wow! <laughs> Bet you didn't expect that question, Phil. So. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's, 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 that's a tough one. Now joined by Bill Manning himself, president of Toronto FC. We could go on for another uh, another few hours. But we could. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thank you to, to Sophia. Thank you to, to Kevin. Thank you to Edwin, who does some great writing for us. Thanks, as always, for watching, listening, and interacting you guys really who have kind of legitimized this platform uh, we're so thankful for for you guys for all the support until next tuesday